But I want to welcome you back home. It's good to have you here at Voice of Praise Worship Center. Who knows who won the World Series? The Astros. To my disappointment. I was pulling for the Phillies. You know. Uh, who knows who has a 2-7 and seven football record? Virginia Tech. <laughs> You're right. Uh, we welcome you back home. But it's good to have fun. Laughter is good like medicine. Uh, I'm not, Nikki, I'll need you to advance there for me. This thing's not working today for some reason. I think after you do one, it'll work for me. I love technology sometimes. But most of you all know what I have in my hand. It's, you know, America's sport, sport. Baseball, apple pies, and Chevrolet. I want to preach to you a message this morning about, and I'm using for illustration, a baseball, a preacher, and a crow. I read this story that there was a group of young boys that were uh, checking out a new baseball, just like this one after church. They tossing the baseball around, looking at it. Needless to say... All of the boys couldn't take a baseball home with them. There was only one baseball and a half a dozen boys. So these boys made them a contest. Whoever wins the contest wins the baseball. Pastors, after church, pastor, he's, a, he's observant. He's watching. And curiosity gets the best of him. He goes over and he said, Hey boys, what, what's your boys up to? What you guys doing? They said, Oh, we got a little contest going on, Pastor. He said, Really? He said, What's the what what's the contest about? He said, Well, we got this baseball, and only one of us can have it. So we're doing a contest and see who can tell the biggest lie. And the person that tells the biggest lie. He's going to win the baseball. Oh man, the pastor, he, you know, he did the pastorly thing, you know. And, uh, he said, guys, I can't believe you just got out of church and you're having a lying contest. He chided the boys for a good bit about lying. Right there on the church parking lot, right after church. In the process of all of his disciplinary lesson, the pastor went on to say, Boys, you should always tell the truth. Always. You need to always tell the truth. He said, why, I never lie. He said, in fact, when I was your all's age, I didn't tell lies. It was in that moment that one of those little boys turned around and looked at the rest of the crowd and they said, that settles it. Preacher one. That preacher just ate. You know, a lot of people think that the, the national bird 
of preachers is chicken. A lot of people think that, especially if you're Baptist, you know. The national bird of chicken is preacher. But the national bird of most preachers is not chicken. The national bird of, chi- of most preachers is crow. We have to eat a little crow from every once in a while. We, we, we have to, and, and you know what? It's not only true for the preacher, it's also true for you all. Every once in a while, you have to eat a little bit of crow. Now, we had a wonderful chili cook-off last Sunday night. Those of you that weren't here, you missed 12 delicious bowls of chili or pots of chili. I may add that mine was the third most delicious by popular vote. But I had to eat crow because I had boasted mine was going to be the winning chili. But since my wife counted the votes, I have to trust the system, okay? Sometimes we have to eat crow, you and I. Sometimes we have to uh, back up and punt, if you would. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. As you keep in mind the illustration of a baseball, the preacher, and the crow. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 48, the words of Jesus, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whosoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other cheek to him also. That's pretty rough when you think about it. That's pretty rough. One person said, well, it's not so awful bad. I only have two cheeks. But, that, but you get, we, I think we all understand Jesus' point. He says, if any of you wants to sue you, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, also let him have your cloak. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? But... Do not even the tax collectors do the, do the same thing, or don't even the tax collectors, which were considered crooks, evil people, do the same thing. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so, or do the same thing. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And understand there, the perfect, the word perfect means complete. I want to preach to you this message, uh, and using that illustration, a baseball and a preacher and a crow, I want you to keep that thought in your mind about the preacher that had to eat some crow. You see, uh, we Americans, we live in a age, and it's not just Americans really, but Probably more so, it's more at home to us. We live in a time of offenses. 
Not fences like that separate property. We live in a time of offenses. We live in an age when it seems like that everybody is offended about someone, something, or something that was said, or something that was done. You know, if you're not offended, you can be offended at not being offended. Okay? We live in an age where everybody is offended. A list of of offenses that can be named go as, as long as their imaginations can take us. But what is startling is that while we're all offended, a recent poll in the Washington Times news, news report, newspaper, said that 81% of Americans express the opinion that Americans are too easily offended. Did you catch that? 81% of people say that they're offended that Americans are too easily offended. That makes sense. So we, we're 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 a, a a society of offended people. We live in a time that is known uh, now in uh, in the urban dictionary, if you would. It's we live in an age that is called the cancel culture. That if I'm offended, if I don't acknowledge that. If, if AK offends me and, 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 and I can just pretend that AK is not there and he's no longer there. I canceled him out. We live in an age of cancel culture that has ushered in the age of trigger warnings. You know, you see those, and, so many are, you know, on social media. There may be a few in the room that's not, but the majority of you are. And, and every once in a while, and there's some people that say they're not on social media, but they are on social media because you can tell they're on social media because they know too much about what's going on on social media. So you just may as well go ahead and admit it that you sneak around and look at it. But you get on social media and it, there will be a, a heading that will say, Warning. Offensive message following. We, we have trigger, we have these trigger warnings and, and we have safe spaces to go to. We do. This is where we're at in life. Psychological studies show that our society rises every morning. The majority of people in our society Rise every morning. They get out of bed with the anticipation that somebody is going to offend them before the day is over. We're prepared for it. We're waiting on it. We expect it. Sometimes I think we enjoy it. Offense is a monster, to be very frank with you. Offense is a, I can't say that it is a spirit. It may be underwritten by a spirit. But, but offense is a monster of, its, of itself and it feeds on itself. If you're already offended, you're going to get offended because you're already offended. I can promise you that. Defense is the opposite of offense. And what happens is when we become offended and we're constantly offended, guess what happens? We become defensive. 
Hello. We got our dukes up. We're, we're, we're ready. We, we got, we got, we got our guns locked and loaded. We got our dukes up. We, we, we are ready to go to the battle at the drop of the hat and we'll almost throw the hat down just so we can. And in a moment's notice, the gun, most of the time, is blazing. Whew. Offenses. We live in a world of offenses. But what I want to preach to you about this morning is 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 uh, uh, overcoming these offenses. You see, offenses are often driven by anxiety, insecurity, and oversensitivities and, and such. But another prominent factor is the expectation that everyone is going to treat us like we deserve to be treated or at least we think we deserve to be treated. Sister Sarah was joking with me the other day. She said, it was, you know, it was my birthday and I, I got all these, all these, you know, we, we base our worth on what happens on social media. And I, I got all, I had all of these birthday wishes come in on social media. And she's scrolling through my birthday wishes. She said, she said, everybody loves you. I said, no, I don't think that. There might be people in this room that don't like me. Now, I know that's your problem. I mean, it's not my fault because I'm so lovable. But, but, but anyway, but listen, you must, you and I most, both must realize everybody don't love you. You, you need to realize this. Everybody don't even like you. Now, that's hard to believe with me. I know. I, I can understand it more with you. But it's hard to, it's hard to, me to deal with. I, I was looking at Vicky when I said that. I mean, you know. But, but that is a prominent factor in offenses. We think that, we think that everybody should treat us like we deserve, or at least how we, what we think we deserve, how we deserve to be treated. In addition to those things, I would like to add that offense is also a tool of the devil. It is a tool of the devil. Whether he underwrites it, whether it's a spirit or not, I don't know. But it is certainly a tool that he uses. He will use offenses to destroy family, friends, churches, and anything else that he can. He will use offenses to put us at odds. He will use offenses to warp our thinking, to distort our emotions. And he will use offenses to make us miserable people. I know this is making you want to shout right now. Going on the defensive because we are offensive will rob us of our joy. And the enemy knows that. The greatest tragedy in the world, listen to me really closely. I had to think about this. I wrote it. I, I deleted it. I wrote it, typed it again. I delete. I, I put it back in. The greatest tragedy in the world is for someone to be lost without Christ, without a shadow of a doubt. That's the greatest tragedy in the world. But the second greatest tragedy is a Christian that is miserable. And oftentimes, I run in to miserable Christians. Sometimes I can be a miserable Christian myself. Okay? I'm not like the preacher. I don't want to win a baseball this morning. 
Over the next few minutes, I want to give you four nuggets that will help you survive in an offended world. The first one, we can, as we study the text, as we read the text, and you go back and, and, and we're going to read verses 38 through 41, and, and I typically don't necessarily take this track when I'm preaching, but I'm going to today. 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone wants you to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile with him, give him two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Listen, here, here's the problem. The first nugget that we can learn in a world full of offenses, not to let ourselves be overwhelmed by offenses and become defensive, is that you get to choose how you will react. You and I, you get to choose how, we get to choose how we will react to the world around us. Every day we make choices about a lot of different things. You made choices of what you were going to wear to to church this morning. You made a choice whether you were going to brush your teeth, comb your hair, and even put on deodorant. You made a you made a choice whether you was going to drive your wife's car or you was going to ride your car. You made it. You made we all make we make choices every single day how we will handle it when we are offended. Now that's not always easy. I'm not implying that it is. But we do have a choice in the matter. Sometimes we're more driven. Sometimes we're pushed a bit further. Sometimes, But all in all, when it comes down to it, we have a choice of how we will react in the circumstance. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. He said, you can choose what to do. He said, you can choose to exercise humility. He said... Or you can choose, and he goes on to say, you can go on to choose choose to be like the wicked tax collectors. The second thing is this. I am only responsible, and I wrote these in first person, I am only responsible for my own behavior and not that of others. When you read verses 43 through 45 there, you begin to see as Jesus unfolds this scenario, He said, you have heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I told you, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Listen, you're only responsible for your behavior. There is a lot of, I had to learn, one lesson that I had to learn, and I struggled with it in, in pastoral ministry. If I could have found people that had screw-on lids, if I could have only found people with screw-on lids, take the lid off, here, hold the lid, take the lid off, pour in what I wanted to pour, personality changes, doctrinal changes, everything, and then... Put the lid back on, and then I'll, all of a sudden I've got him fixed. He's fixed because I just took the lid. I'll put in what I wanted. But you know what? I, I, I had to discover the hard way that I can't fix people. I can't change people. I can't do nothing with them. Some of them are hard-headed. Is she hard-headed? Yeah, he said so. Some of them are hard-headed as can be. Some of them are plain out aggravating. Some of them are mean. Some of them are hateful. But you and I cannot fix those things. 
You and I are only responsible for one person and one person only, and that is me on self. It's you that can fix you. It's you that can have self-control over you. And when we become offended, when we begin to operate on that defense, defensive mode because we have been so offended, and, and offenses are real. Don't misunderstand me. I think we went overboard with them. But offenses are real. They do exist, and sometimes they are very legitimate. But the reality of it is, I am only responsible. If you treat me ugly, I can't fix you. God help you. God bless you. God do whatever. But listen, I can't fix you. The only person that I can fix is myself through God's help. So I'm only responsible for my behavior. I'm not responsible for yours. You know, and sometimes when it comes to our kids, I know know all of your kids are probably perfect kids. All of your grandkids are perfect grandkids. But is there one or two people in the room that, that sometimes you get disappointed in what your kids do and you feel like it's a direct reflection of who you are? Is there anybody else in the room like that? Yeah? Uh-uh. I see two or three little bobbing heads like them dolphins used to have in the back of the car. You're bobbing heads. But the reality of it is, we can't even fix our kids. We can't fix our mamas and daddies. We can't fix anybody. But the only person that we can really deal with and make adjustments in is ourselves. One thing that I really love that Jesus taught in that section of verses 43 through 45, He said, pray for them. Let me tell you something. It's hard to, it's hard to carry offense when you're praying for people. It is hard to carry offense when you're praying for people. It's hard to stay mad at somebody you're praying for. It's hard to be angry at somebody you're praying for. If you're struggling with someone or some group of people, start praying for them. You will find victory over the circumstance when you begin to pray for them. Because as you pray for them, you're being responsible for your behavior. And you will see... Results that will occur in your life, even if nothing happens with them. The third one is, my choices should be made based on my relationship with God and not upon what others are doing. When we read verses 46 through 48, and for the sake of time, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna reiterate, just or paraphrase a little bit what Jesus is saying there. He said, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Not the tax collectors do that. You see, God's not calling us to do what everybody else is doing. He's not calling us to act like everybody else is acting. In a world full of, in a world full of people that are being offended on every turn right now, the people that should not be offended is the church. But we are. We are. The church is offended. And, and I like, there was a song that came out, and, and I, I believe, don't misunderstand me, I believe it's good for us to stand for, for our, our Christian values, our Christian doctrine, and all like that. But, but I also, when I read the Old Testament, when I read about, and I study the early church, the first generation church, I found out those were people that when they stood for Christ, they stood for, for their relationship in Christ, that it cost them their life. 
and we just get up because somebody says boo at us. Mm -hmm. Nobody in here has been beheaded that I know of. You know, I, you know, if you have been, it's good to have you in services. Different, but I'm good to have you, you know. None of us in here have, it's not cost us our life or anything. None of us have been jailed for our faith. None of us have been beaten right to the, to the threshold of death for our faith. But, but understand this, but yet I see sometimes that the church is so greatly offended and the church has become defensive and we're out doing more to tell how we don't, we're going to defend ourselves than we are a loving on the world. And it's time that the church quit being so defensive and realize that we're not fighting against flesh and bone, but we're fighting against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and we just this leave lead this world like a like the sheep that was led to the slaughter we we realize that we are we are the sons and the daughters of the Lord most high and we are going through this world we may be persecuted we may go through tribulation we may be mocked in fact I don't say we may be we will be if we stand for Christ but we can't be offended and we can't become bitter and we can't get on the defensive or we're going to miss the mission that God give us to keep. We, the church, must not be offended, but we must stand strong in our faith and allow God to do the work that He came to do in this world. So my my choices should be made based upon my relationship with God and not what others are doing around me. Or not how other people are treating me. Oh, I'm not going back to church anymore. <laughs> I'm not going back to church anymore. The pastor said something mean to me. <laughs> I'm not going to be on the praise team anymore because... Worship leader didn't ask me to do solo on that last song, and I would want to pick the song out. Yeah. You see, the enemy has divided so many people away from the church just simply because we get offended over trivial, petty stuff. Well, that was my song. It wasn't petty, preacher. That was my song. Yeah, that's petty, okay? That's petty. I didn't get to pick out my color of carpet. I believe in the church. I'll never go back. Somebody drop a pen right now. It's quiet. You see, you see, the enemy wants us to be offended. He desires for us to be offended. Because when we're offended, we become divided. We become defensive and we become divided. When we, be, we, we can become, uh, again, in our, in our friends, our family, and in our churches, we can become so divided. And, but, but my relationship, I'm not, hey, my relationship with God and my, 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 
faithfulness to the church is not based on whether the preacher hurt my feelings or I got to sing the newest song on the praise team or whether I won the chili bean contest or if I got cheated out of the cheese ball contest one more time. My relationship with God is not based on any of those things. My relationship with God and my faithfulness to go and be in the house of God among the saints is based on the fact that I have a deep loving relationship with Him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was spat upon. He was mistreated. He was ridiculed. And stripes were laid to his back where it's believed that his internal organs were exposed to the open elements of the world. But let me tell you something. Jesus was not so offended that he stopped or nor did he quit. But he finished his journey. And you and I can't stop at offenses. We must press on, go forward, and finish the journey that we are assigned. Because we have... We are not above our master and we can't afford to let offenses hinder us. I didn't plan on saying all that. And here's the last thing. I done totally left my notes. I done got to meddling, I guess. No, I'm still on them. Here's the thing. Leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord. When we're offended, if we would... I don't tell you a story. And this, 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 I wasn't there, but I've had multiple people tell me that... And God rest his soul, he's, he's been dead for, <coughs> for many, many years. Old preacher. I don't know if this is Pam's water or mine, but it's been there a week. It's deep. It's unsanitary. You know, it's sanitary by now. Old preacher Sam Byers. He came from over around the Wythe County, Carroll County area. He was a he was not necessarily a pioneer, but he was he was an early preacher in the Pentecostal Holiness Church in the Virginia Conference. Sam couldn't read or write, but he could preach. He had an anointing on him to preach. Sam would, Sam never used anointing oil. You don't mind a little spit, do you? Sam would lick his fingers. Lays hands on somebody, just like that. Yeah. Sam, Sam was, Sam was, Sam wasn't backwoods. He was my, he was my, my late wife's, he was my late wife's great uncle. Sam Byers. I know Trisha probably heard about him through the conference. He was, he was further than backwoods. I mean, he was like way back, back, backwoods. But Sam, Sam had an anointing on him and Sam Sam could preach and, and great miracles. Cast out devils at, at his hand. Devils were casted out. People were healed. Just a, a tremendous ministry. Later in life, he, re- he learned how to read some. But Sam, Sam lived over in a little quaint house, a typical house of the, 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 the 40s and the 50s, and it had a front porch around it. And there was a fellow that got upset with Sam, preacher Sam, you know, people get upset with preachers sometimes. And he came over to Sam's house to visit Sam. And he, he and he became belligerent. He was, he, he, uh, he was, a, he was being very verbally abusive. And, 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 uh, Sam walked out on the front porch of the house to meet him and he just kept on. Sam asked him to live, or to leave. 
And he wouldn't leave. He just kept on. Sam asked him again to leave. And he just kept on, kept on, kept on. And it began to escalate. All of a sudden, Sam punched him right in the mouth, knocked him backwards over the banisters. And the guy was laying out in the yard. And some of the witnesses that were there said that Sam looked at him and said, Now, bless God, look what you made me go and do. But Sam was human. Sam was frail, just like all of us are. And and uh, and I still get amused when I hear some of them tell of that was there, tell of that story. But you know what? That's what we want to do. We like to just punch somebody in the mouth. We just like to bust their nose. We like to poison their cat. We like to. We'd like to, we'd like to, we'd like to flatten the tires on their car. Yeah. 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 That's what we'd like to do. I could give you a few more illustrations, but I won't for the sake of time. Not that any of these things have ever run through my mind. It's just totally, you know. Yeah, we, we'd like to fix them. I'd like to, I'd like to paint their little red wagon. But if we can come to that realization that when we're offended as sons and daughters of the Most High God, born into His family, grafted in through the Lord Jesus Christ. We used to sing that song here. It's been a long time since we've sung it. That song that says, This is how I fight my battles. Remember that when we used to sing that a lot? This is how I fight my battles. When you read Matthew chapter 18, and I think I brought that... I think, I, no, I didn't bring that up. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and you go over and read verses 1 through 7. I want you to read this with me. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and he said, he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like children, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, listen to this. It would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come. But woe to the man through whom they come. You see, we, it's hard for us. It really is. It's hard for us. It's hard for me, okay? It's hard for me. It's hard for you. Let's admit it. It's hard for us sometimes. But if we, we'll, if we can simply come to the, a, a place in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, I may be mocked and scored. I may be ridiculed. I may be cheated out of the cheese ball contest. You know, there's all kinds of terrible things that could happen to me, and some of them are petty. But if I 
will come to that place where I realize in the end, the Lord has got my back. In the end, just cause will be served. My friend, Dr. Jim Tanell, he tells a story quite often about our pastor friend and many of you have met Lacey Griffith over in the county. Still pastoring. Went to a stroke a year or so ago. Still pastoring. He tells the story about how a guy came into one of the churches, one of the PH churches over in the county. And he that guy, that guy actually spit. I'm talking about a spit.
liar. with the enemy 
And Lord, I can't fight that fight in myself. I must have you. So Jesus, I'm asking you today to strengthen me. Strengthen me, Lord, to fight the good fight and to keep the faith and to remain faithful to you. I wonder if uh, this morning, if there's one person in this room that needs to be saved, one person in this room that has never surrendered their heart and life to Jesus. Or maybe you've drifted you far away, you've backslidden on the Lord, and you need to rededicate your life. Is there one person in this room that, real quickly, without any embarrassment at all, would slip your hands and pray for me, Pastor? Is there one? I assume that everybody's satisfied in your relationship with the Lord. I want to ask you this. I want to ask you about I just want to know if I can pray 